Hello and welcome to Eclectic Waffle, the podcast with one theme only, interesting conversations with interesting people about interesting things. I'm your host, Tom, and it's very nice to have you here. You are listening to Eclectic Waffle. We're back. And don't worry, I won't actually be speaking like that. I hope you're doing well. What have you been watching on television during the coronavirus lockdown? It's uh, all the more important, I think, to have great TV at one's disposal. I must say, Netflix is a fantastic source of great stuff, and particularly foreign stuff. Um, When you watch a lot of British and American TV, American TV, of course, is also foreign, but we're so immersed in American culture, and I'm such an Americanophile that it doesn't feel like that. Um, One of the great things about watching foreign stuff is that it's so much harder to predict the narrative arc. In a British film, you tend to have Act 1, get to know the characters, Act 2, something problematic happens, and in Act 3, it's solved and everything's okay. And foreign films often don't work like that. Uh, I've heard people say that French films tend to end at a point which would be thought of as halfway in a British film. And uh, so it's great just to feel you don't know exactly what's going to happen. That's one of the things I like about watching movies with subtitles and TV with subtitles. Having said all that, the thing that I'm really enjoying at the moment has a narrative arc which is completely predictable because it's based on a true story. Uh, the story of Carlos Monzon, the Argentine boxer. Um, the TV show is on Netflix and it's called Monzon, M-O-N-Z-O-N. It's very, very compelling, even though Monzon himself, pretty horrendous person. But nevertheless, an interesting one and a compelling one. He was um, one of the finest boxers of all time and came from an ethnic minority background in Argentina, very poor background. The story of him rising to be champion of the world is unquestionably inspiring, but he had these terrible, terrible flaws. And so that makes for an almost operatic Shakespearean kind of tale, which in some ways I feel quite guilty for enjoying. It's not like enjoying a purely cinematic baddie or a fictional loathsome character Um, because this is a true story and that makes it complex morally and perhaps makes it more complex artistically because real life exceeds anything that even the greatest fiction writers could create. I'm also enjoying getting a window onto Argentina, a country in which I'm becoming more and more interested. Um, Like I say, I'm an Americanophile, but I'm also uh, getting quite intrigued by South America. Argentina and the UK have had a very difficult relationship, obviously, as a result of the 1982 Falklands War. Um, But all my British friends who've gone to that country say they haven't experienced any tension or difficulty at all and have found the Argentine people very welcoming. It's a very beautiful country, and I gather that you really haven't 
eaten steak until you've eaten Argentine steak, so that's something I'd like to try for myself. Monzen is, uh, is also, of course, about a boxer, and boxing is a sport which I've long loved, but I'm starting to get involved in directly. Um, I've got a punch bag at home, and I'm doing a lot of work on that. It's really helping me to lose weight. And it's made me think a lot about the nature of the sport. I've always been a big defender of it. It seems to me that in terms of its dangers, which are unquestionably considerable, it gets a bad rap compared to other sports, American football, is surely every bit as dangerous as boxing. Going skiing um, presents enormous peril, potentially. And you have, of course, the whole question of of consent. I know some people who find boxing repugnant because of the violence um, and think that people who box are more likely to be violent than others. That, I'm sure, is complete nonsense. Not only does boxing channel aggression healthily and leave people feeling less aggressive, but there's an analogy here. It would be ridiculous to say that because someone had a sexual relationship with their wife and was therefore sexually active, they would be likely to be a paedophile. And likewise, just because someone has a fight with someone else who's consented to that fight doesn't mean that they're likely to go around slapping people in the street. For me, context is everything. If I see someone slapping a child in a supermarket, that will upset me for the rest of the day. I hate it. I think it's horrible. And by the way, why is it okay to hit kids when we rightly consider it completely wrong to hit women? There's no logic to that whatsoever. Absolutely none. Having said that, my viewpoint is challenged by the fact that there have been a lot of boxers who have engaged in domestic violence. Um, That's a terrible thing for any man to do. It's particularly wicked when the person in question is so powerful and boxers have dynamite in both hands. And Carlos Monson very much fell into that category, someone who boxed to thrilling effect in the ring. Um but who also visited that violence upon innocent people, which is contemptible. I nearly didn't start watching the programme because I thought, I don't want to watch a programme about this piece of shit. Uh, I'm glad I have, though. Um, It never glamorises his behaviour. It never seeks to excuse it. But it is an investigation into a complex and, yeah, undoubtedly compelling person. Finally, the boxing scenes are brilliant. Boxing's quite a hard sport to capture, on screen. Sport in general is actually really hard. If you ever see a film about football, by which I mean soccer for our American friends, um, the scenes are normally wildly unrealistic. Uh, with boxing, you have the further complication that you are asking actors to get punched in the face and punched in the belly. Um, the best way to film a, a film about football would surely be just to have, a, have them play a genuine football match and just clip scenes from that. Uh, with boxing, well... Yeah, you're basically saying to people, uh, you're going to be getting punched in the face. And quite often the attempts to work around that do lead to something which just is not realistic. Thus far, the scenes in Monzen, the sparring and the fighting, 
have looked very, very realistic to me. Um, I ought to know, really. I'll do some research into whether the actor has a boxing background. He's very good, uh, the the young man playing Monson. Um, an older actor plays him later on in the series. Anyway, I'm only four episodes in, but it's proving really, really enjoyable. And uh, I would commend to you Monson on Netflix. Here is my first foray into jazz. It's a little instrumental called Hanging Around. Another thing that I'm doing during lockdown is taking part in a village virtual book club where we uh, talk about what we've been reading that week. So we don't all read the same book and then discuss it. We um, we just talk about whatever it is that we're reading. And uh, it's been good fun, but also quite a challenge because I haven't really been very inclined to, to read. Um, now, I worry that this is a result of um, reading too much drivel on the internet and kind of using up my reading energy so I don't read proper books. That is a big mistake, because so much of what appears on social media is absolute drivel, and spending hours and hours reading news comment is a terrible waste of one's time. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelves now, and I see some amazing books there, which I haven't read. I've got the King's James Bible, which really... King James Bible, which really anyone brought up in um, Christendom ought to read because it's had such an enormous influence on our lives. Um, there's a novel by a friend I haven't got round to reading yet. Um, Levels of Life by Julian Barnes, that I have read. That was given to me by a friend. Um, it's a book on grief. And the friend who gave it to me um, suffered a terrible bereavement. Um, and incidentally, really taught me what grace is all about. The first time I saw him after um, he'd lost this loved one, he asked me how I was, and he really wanted to know. Uh, I just thought, you know, in that context, he could have behaved in almost any way he wanted, and I would have forgiven him, but he retained real dignity, he retained an ability to look outwards, um, and it was very touching when he gave me this book, which I know was a huge comfort to him. Barnes, in this book, muses on the nature of grief more broadly, and then writes in an intensely personal way about the death of his wife. Um, it's not a long book, just as his novella, The Sense of an Ending, wasn't a long book, but it won the Booker Prize. Um... He's a terrific writer, elegant, insightful, challenging at times, and I highly recommend Levels of Life um, to you. What else have we got along the line there? Um, Crazy Heart by Thomas Cobb. Now, I mentioned this the other day when I sang The Weary Kind, 
Crazy Heart is a book um, that was turned into a movie starring Jeff Bridges about a country music star who ceases to be flavour of the month and um, has a terrible drink problem um, and ends up touring various dive bars and playing venues which, well, no venue should be beneath anybody but are a lot smaller than, than what he would have been playing during his heyday. Um, it also stars Maggie Gyllenhaal as a love interest. <clears throat> She's considerably younger than him and uh, initially interviews him and then they have a relationship. And it is really, really good. Um, the music's really good and Bridges can really play. He's got a wonderful voice that sounds whiskey-soaked. I should say, in fairness to Jeff, I don't know whether it is actually whiskey-soaked, but it sounds whiskey-soaked in a good way, like Willie Nelson's. Uh, and it was great to come back to the novel, which inevitably is is a bit different to the film. Really, really tightly written, um, powerful prose, and an exploration of the nature of faded stardom um, and how you cope when you're no longer in the limelight and of the essential importance of of carrying on if you're an artist even if you are past your prime in terms of fame i see that i've got how to be a footballer by peter crouch that was undoubtedly a funny book peter crouch clearly has a very very good sense of humor but i have to say in all honesty that my overwhelming feeling reading the book is that i'm very glad i didn't have uh, anything like the ability necessary to be a professional footballer, which was my dream as a little boy. I'm reminded of that Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Um, I would not have been happy if I'd been a professional footballer. And much of what passes for humour in the dressing room <laughs> really isn't very funny at all. Crouch, however, is funny, and crucially, he's tremendously amusingly self-deprecating so that's a very good book that I would highly recommend as I would also recommend On the Move by Oliver Sacks um, well known as a world leading scientist but you maybe didn't know that he had a Californian state powerlifting record uh, in the squat I don't think that this rather nebbish gay scientist growing up would have thought that he would be an extremely impressive athlete but so it proved um, he took up powerlifting and was brilliant at it the whole book again very very courageous very honest um, goes into all of the stuff that fed into the film Awakenings with Robert De Niro and covers a lot of a lot of ground a lot of different ground uh, Sachs I think would be described quite rightly as a polymath. The Power of Habit by Charles de Higg. Um, Super Forecasting by Philip Tetlock and Dan Gardner. And P.D. James talking about detective fiction. These are just three of the excellent books which I still haven't read. <laughs> Maybe there's a clue here in, the, in a book by Roy F. Baumeister and John Tierney, it's called Willpower. I think perhaps that needs to be uh, next on my list. Oh, Paper Lion by George Plimpton. Now, that was really, really good. Um, 
Plimpton, famous, of course, as a sports writer, but he wrote a number of books um, where he managed to embed himself in a professional sport. Um, the Detroit Lions let him train with them um, and even play in exhibition matches, which would be terrifying for even someone who was going to make it in the NFL, but for, for Plimpton, who didn't have the tools whatsoever, um, it was very, very brave of him to, to give this a go. And he writes very openly about how wholly inadequate he was and all of the different characters that, that made up the team. That's well worth a read. As is The Hustler by Walter Tevis, much, much more famous as a film of course, starring Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason, who played many of his own shots. Um, as Minnesota Fats, he was a, a very fine pool player. Um, the Hustler is is even more bleak than the movie, but no poorer as a literary endeavour for that. It contains um, a little caveat at the start about a guy um, whom I also have a book by, called, uh, well, who went, uh, not called, but who went by the name Minnesota Fats, Rudolf Walderon. He's got a quite useful book called On Pool, which is an introduction to uh, to the sport that he would never call pocket billiards, but insisted had to be called pool. Um, so Rudolf Walderon was a classic hustler, a classic showman. There's clips of him on YouTube playing pool, and he chanters non-stop between shots, um, and really is, is a stand-up comedian. Absolutely hilarious. But Walter Tevis, in the start of uh, in the preface to this newer edition of The Hustler, makes very, very clear that it just isn't true that his Minnesota Fats is based on a real person. He invented him. Um, and yet, Rudolf Walderon took the name and ran with it, and it was all part of the mystique. For those of you who are willing to entertain a very nerdy comment about uh, billiards, the thing about Rudolf Walderone that will blow your mind if you play at all regularly is he played almost entirely upright, which is precisely what you're advised not to do as you start taking the game more seriously. Um, as you get lower to the table, it's easier to see the angles. Um, the shot actually looks like it's closer because of perspective. But he played in a completely upright position, um, which does allow you to scan the table better. You'll notice if you ever watch three cushion uh, or Karam billiards where the angles are are everything because there's no potting of the ball. Uh, Karam has no pockets on the table. Um, that They play in a slightly more upright style. Um, and it just goes to show that, yes, it's important to have coaching. Yes, it's important to understand what the textbooks would say. But you also have to work these things out for yourself. And sometimes the textbook's wrong. Sometimes the textbook needs to be updated. Michael Johnson, the 400 and 200 metre runner, had this very, very odd, weirdly upright style with a, with a short stride. But as it enabled him to win Olympic gold medals and smash world records, um, it ceases to become sensible to say that uh, he didn't follow the textbook and more sensible to say that the textbook needed to be rewritten. Another great debate in sport is whether or not um, natural talent is everything or whether hard work can make a change, um, a profound change. Matthew Said wrote a superb book called Bounce, which, following 
quite closely, but but not in a derivative way. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, in which he talks about 10,000 hours. Said finds lots and lots of, exam- example, lots and lots of examples of how um, people have got really good at sport through practice and lots of reasons to suppose that it's not about natural talent. One of the things he cites is playing tennis with Michael Stick, who won Wimbledon in 1991. They played a sort of exhibition match, and afterwards, Said said to Michael Stick, look, just out of idle interest, would you mind serving up a couple of full power serves? Michael Stick agreed, and the ball whizzed past Matthew Said's head, and he went home that night concluding that uh, tennis players must have incredible reactions. But then he thought about this a bit harder and thought, well, hang on, because he played uh, table tennis. He was an Olympic table tennis player. Hang on, my reactions on a table tennis table have to be even quicker than those of a tennis player. <laughs> Excuse me. And so he gradually put it together and realised that, of course, someone who can return a, a world-class serve from a tennis player, they're not actually just reacting to it. They're anticipating where to go. He tells another lovely story about Desmond Douglas, who some of you may remember from uh, Record Breakers when we were kids, the table tennis player who was um, notoriously fast. One day a sports scientist came and tested the reactions of everyone in the uh, in the national table tennis team. And Desmond Douglas came last and everybody laughed at the sports scientist and said, mate, your machine's broken because this guy has world-class reflexes. He's, he's well known for being one of the fastest people in table tennis. Clearly there's something wrong with your machine. But, but, dig, a dip, but dig a little deeper and you learn that Desmond Douglas learned to play table tennis in a room which was almost too small for a table tennis table and had to therefore develop a counter-hitting style. Again, to use a term I used in a previous episode, necessity was the mother of invention. On the other hand, on these bookshelves, I have a book called The Sports Gene by David Epstein, um, which apparently gives lots and lots of evidence that sporting ability very much is to do with innate talent and physiology. And uh, I'm really looking forward to reading that. Once I've done so, I'll uh, I'll report back. But yeah, now I'm finding during this uh, coronavirus pandemic that although there is so much time to read, I don't particularly want to. I, I kind of want to be more active than that. Maybe it's because I can't be active in the evenings going out and playing pool and seeing friends, um, that somehow I subconsciously resent the idea of sitting down and reading a book. I don't know. Um, reading is something that people tend to assume I adore. The truth is I read when I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i a man of action, I just don't look like one. And I'm also, rather than reading and writing, I'm wanting to segue much more into talking Um, and I'm very grateful to you for listening because this is a really good vehicle to do just that. You are listening to Eclectic Waffle. We're going to finish with a poem by A.E. Hausman and this comes from A Shropshire Lad. Into my heart an air that kills from yon far country blows. What are those blue remembered hills? What spires What farms are those? That is the land of lost content. I see it shining plain. 
the happy highways where I went and cannot come again. You are listening to Eclectic Waffle. We'll be back soon. Uh, And it won't just be monologues. We're going to have some interviews. So do stay tuned. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you.